This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680-CJOB. Shovels it toward the net, deflected in front, they score! Adam Lowry with his fourth goal of the postseason! And we are tied at four! How about that? 22 seconds left in the period, and Adam Lowry ties it. And this place is going crazy! I can't tell you how much I love that call from Paul Edmonds. My goodness. That was the 4-4 goal from Saturday's game. Of course, the Jets went on to lose that game 5-4. But I heard that call, and I just I fell in love with Paul Edmonds just a little <laughs> bit more. Derek Taylor in for Camp Poitras alongside Jim Toth. What do you hear? Uh, I got a full dissertation on what I hear in Paul Edmonds' call, but... When you hear Paul Edmonds make that call, Jim Toth. Well, I thought Paul Edmonds has been bang on uh, um, in uh, both the assessment. Remember in the goal against uh, in Vegas where he says and the, the Jets are, are in quicksand right now, and that yep. was an apropos. To, but this is a much better for the fans description, and he was right. I was here in the press box, and it was going crazy in here. I thought the roof was going to come off, and to be honest with you, when Niederreiter made it 4-2 early in the third and then Shifley's goal, the buzz was building, right? So it was kind of you know, the start of the game, the whiteouts, they're so impressive. And if you haven't been to a playoff game here and you've been to a regular season game, it's just hard to describe. But the best way I can do it, DT, is in my experience of five years ago in the whiteout, four years ago in the whiteout, and then uh, here on Saturday again, it's like an ACDC concert. The place is literally <laughs> rocking. And when yeah. they score a goal like that, and, and let's be honest, that goal for years from now, decades from now, they didn't win the game, but that's a goal that's going to go down in Jets history as one of the greatest all-times. You'll be hearing that call and seeing that, that goal for years to come. So it wasn't enough in overtime. That's disappointing. It wasn't the second period the team wanted at all. But there's a lot to be sort of building off here and going into it. Now, today's a pivotal game. Like, honestly, oh. you can't be going back to Vegas down 3-1. But that's kind of the, the sport of playoffs, right? I, I kept thinking all weekend that if they could have got that in overtime and been up 2-1, and buy themselves some room here with another home game. But they didn't. So we're going to focus on tonight's game. But there was nothing I saw, including the second period when the Jets weren't very good, in the first and third period and the overtime that makes me think they can't even the series tonight. Yeah, the the goal that, that went in inevitably, the 5-4 goal, was, was a fluke, right? Sandberg banks it off the well, player. Well, it was, yeah. Bounced in front. That's, that's the definition of a fluke goal. Uh, what I love about the call... Uh, Paul's got his, he scores, and then he goes up 20 decibels <laughs> because, one, you know the, the ambient noise from the crowd who is just losing it, but he's like, he's got his regular level for the he scores, and then he cranks it up even more. And yeah. you go, all right, and all this right, place Paul. is going I, crazy. It's almost like he's angry, but he's not. He's just like he's <laughs> he's describing it perfectly with the intensity of the moment. I presume Jamie Thomas to his left was also just like <laughs> banging on the glass. This is amazing. This is unbelievable. Uh, in this uh, broadcast, before we get to the 1 o'clock hour, we will hear from Pierre-Luc Dubois. We will hear from Logan Stanley. We're looking down right now live at the Vegas Golden Knights pregame skate there are a lot of players in white and black moving swiftly up and down the ice they uh, they were doing something much similar in the uh, in the game on saturday as well out shooting the jets 16 to 5 in the second period before the jets had their rally and then overtime of course it went vegas's way to make the series two games to one here's what we have for news from practice the jets just before they had their skate announced they had recalled goaltender arvid home from the Manitoba Moose, which made us hold our breath for a moment. 
because if that's for Connor Hellebuck, we're all just going home. Like, right, we're, we're, we'll just call it quits. No, David Gustafson, uh, pardon me, not David Gustafson, David Riddick is out, so home will come in for him. The lines today at the pregame skate when they're doing rushers, it was Connor Dubois, Niederreiter, Nemesnikov, Shifley, Wheeler. So those were the ones that finished the game, did the final two periods uh, of the game. As uh, Coach Rick Bonus said, we've pretty much milked all we can out of Mark Shifley on the right wing. Uh, Baron Lowry, Appleton, Stenlin with Menelin on the wing, and instead of Davis, David Gustafson, all hail the return of the king, my favorite, <laughs> you tolerate him, Jim Toth, Axel Janssen Fialbi. Tolerate him. It's about time this series got some more flow in it. <laughs> he was the winger on the fourth line. We will see because Rick Bonus talked about, hey, we might go seven defensemen which would mean one forward's got to sit out. So will it be Kyle Capabianco? Will it be Axel Janssen, Fialbi? Logan Stanley will be paired with Dylan Sandberg on that third defensive pairing as someone has got to fill in uh, for Josh Morrissey, which Morrissey, Hellebuck, Dubois, I don't want any of these guys out of the lineup, but it just happened to be Morrissey yeah, in Saturday's game. It's it's a devastating blow. There's no way to sugarcoat this. And I know we're going to hear a lot of, well, next man up and everybody's got to step up, but you literally cannot replace Josh Morrissey. As you were mentioning all morning on your 680 CJB Sportscast, he's the second leading scorer on this team, but then you add into the fact that he's a defenseman, and that's why I think he's a front runner for the Norris. I know Eric Carlson has 100 points, which has only been done six times in the NHL. NHL. But, but honestly, Eric's not that good of a defenseman. He's a really good offensive defenseman, and he's a very below average defenseman. Josh Morrissey is an elite defender, and he's an elite point producer this year. Uh, he's the heart and soul of this team, and, and I know there's Adam Lowry's and some other players on this team, but um, Josh Morrissey is the one this year when things weren't going well. Uh, is the one who got that goal right here at Canada Life Center, and then turned and looked to the crowd and said, "Get the f up." And 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 it yeah. was. And he spoke to it after. He's like, "We're in this together." And I understand the being in a Canadian market. And he spoke about the criticism his friend Mark Shifley's been getting this season too. But he goes, "That's the the price you pay." And it's not a. I shouldn't even say price you pay. It's not how he worded it. He says, "You play in a Canadian market. We understand the white noise that's around that." But he said, "If this team is going anywhere, it's the crowd, and 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 we need that advantage on home ice." And vice versa, like they need Josh Morrissey to be leading. He's such a subtle leader in the fact that he does the right things, rarely turns over the puck, and defends so well. So you're not going to replace him. It's a devastating blow to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, they're going to even out some minutes, I think. It's not going to be one yeah. guy who goes up. It's going to be a number of guys. Let's talk about how they're going to fill that in after after we hear from some of the guys. Uh, Jeff Forche, if you fire me up block number one, it's uh, we'll hear from Neil Pionk and Rick Bonus. Bonus starts about the communication with Mo Josh Morrissey since he suffered that injury. Yeah, I don't even think college. Uh, game wasn't long enough. Probably further, and when I played a game in youth hockey and then went on the outdoor ranks after, it's probably the last time I did something like that. How are you managing that extra load? Well, it's just the mentality of uh, knowing when to jump up uh, in the rush. and Because uh, that, that's kind of what burns you, right, is when you jump up in the rush and you end up in the offensive zone and you're trying to create chances, um, which is good if we have six defensemen and a full full staff. When you go down a guy, you got to manage that a little bit. That's Neil Pionk who took the brunt of the Josh Morrissey injury in the last game. He played 40 and a half minutes. And, yes, the game went to a second overtime. 
just the second time in, uh, in Pionk's career. He's talking about when's the last time he played 40 minutes. He actually did it once in the NHL, May 24th, 2021, in the playoffs against the Edmonton Oilers. He played 40 minutes and 8 seconds. And this is where, and I know you are talking about it uh, earlier, Jim, how do they fill it? How do they fill in for Morrissey? Someone's got to reproduce his offense, though it doesn't have to be a defenseman, but some defenseman or combination of defensemen have to take his minutes. There are many ways to go, including seven defensemen, including Neil Pionk gets, you know, 25 minutes and and first uh, edition power play time. What do they do tonight? What what would be your bet? Well, first of all, in my mind, if they do go 7D minutes, twofold. It's to see which ones are going well and to make sure that you have six that you can play if somebody's having an off game. or to, Then the other aspect of it is if you get injured and you only have six again, asking these same five defensemen or a different number of the five to log that many minutes once again, uh, uh, you know, 48 hours later, that's a huge ask. So there's two reasons for that if he decides to go that way. But, um, look, there's ways to do it, right? And I think Brendan Dillon's having a really good season and a really good playoff season. You could ask him to play six to eight to ten more minutes a night. Um, You get Neil Pionk, who's going to play more minutes tonight. And you mentioned the last time he played 40 minutes. Let's keep in mind, that was against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and that's what he sort of put his name on his career about, was he shut down Connor McDavid pretty much for, you didn't shut him out, you're not going to do that, but he handled Connor McDavid in that series for four games, including the game that he played plus 40 minutes. The problem is, is as the series goes on, which the Jets want to extend it to, obviously, to six games and potentially seven, is that the minutes add up. So... I think you're going to – tonight's game's different. Like, if you can even this game, then you can manage minutes a little bit more in a game five, knowing that you have a game six and everything else. But not wanting to go down 3-1 and heading back to Vegas, I think Neil Pionk is going to play a lot of minutes. I think Brendan Dillon's going to play a lot of minutes. And Capobianco does have offense in his game. When he's played limitly, the thing that has impressed me the most is he doesn't play for weeks on the end, comes in and not only plays but gets a point or two or scores a goal. So it, it, it's just going to be about balance and how the game flows. But I'm with you. I think it's it's on the forwards to pick up the offense. And then it's on Logan Stanley to come in and, and some of the other defensemen. They're all going to collectively log more minutes and then defend as as a unit, that's how you're going to make up for the loss of Josh Morrissey. The pairings this morning, Schmidt, DeMello, Dylan Pionk, and Stanley Sandberg with Capobianco as the seventh defenseman. Uh, there was no Nikolai Ehlers and Cole Perfetti remains in a non-contact jersey and and just to interrupt you Derek but Sandberg's going to be key here right like we all know it was his turnover and and when I first saw it here in the press box I immediately said oh kid you got to put that up the boards and then I saw the replays and he was putting up the boards that's a play that happens in second overtimes you're doing the right things but fatigue sets in so although you're playing it up the boards you're doing it a split half a second shorter than you needed to do it and that allows the forecheck any other time, like the third period even, I think that goes up the boards. But credit to the Vegas forward who was in on the forecheck and who had a little bit more jump than Sandberg's reaction. That's why that puck got blocked. That's why it went to the front of the net. But how he handles this has been discussed a lot. What hasn't been discussed a lot is he could thrive from this. He could be, I will be better. I'm going to be a difference maker. Give me eight more minutes tonight. I'm going to add some offense. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but we often focus in these situations about a young defenseman like that. Can you bounce back? And is your confidence shot? Is your this? 
the other aspect of this, from a two-time NCAA champion like Dylan Sandberg, this might thrive him to go, no more mistakes. I'm going to have the game of my life. And he does that. So that's what I'm fascinated to be about, not only his role in this, but how he plays tonight. I, I just have much confidence that he could have a whale of a game tonight just as much as I could his confidence shot. Yeah. And I don't think his confidence is shot. I think he, he you know, dials it up a notch and plays well. I find athletes hate it when you bring up things like luck. Yeah. Be it good luck, be it bad. That is the that is the ultimate in bad luck, right? We yeah. talked about it at the beginning of the show. That's the ultimate in bad luck. And to me, any coach goes, Dylan, that's crap. It that's crap. That that'll never happen to you again. You will play a dozen years in the NHL, and that will never happen to you again. Forget about it. Don't even think about it. You were awesome for whatever it was, 28 and a half minutes. Just just let it go, and we will roll on, and we can't wait to see. We'll hear from, uh, gosh, who will hear from? Pierre-Luc Dubois. We'll hear from Logan Stanley, who is definitely back in the lineup. Then there'll be the one game-time question that we will answer. Kelly Moore, of course, of the pregame show, starting at seven uh, 6.30 with the puck drop at 8.30, live from Canada Life Center. Don't forget, some whiteout tickets just released this morning. Yes. So come on down and have a little party. It is 12.21. Plenty more coming Jets at noon, live from Canada Life Center on 680 CGOB. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Live from Canada Life Center, 1232 in the PM. Derek Taylor and Jim Toth. I'm filling in for Camp Poitras. Uh, he'll be back on Thursday. To Thursday, read, is it? Just to set up game number whatever that'll be. Five? Five. That'll five, be game five. yes. Game five. Two days off uh, this time. He knows games. it always – he knew once there was a split he wasn't. I got till game five. I'm going to be away. But he's fine. He's missing a heck of a series here. Hey, you bring the A team back to close it, right? You bring your top liner back to close the, the series out. I can't imagine if they lose this series what fans would say. I think they would blame Cam Poitras. Wouldn't you? I'm not floating that out there. Is this mic on? It would I'm be. Sorry. It would be tough to avoid the criticism. Uh, Mark Shifley would be a target. Cam Poitras would be a target. <laughs> Uh, as well. Uh, that is massive news that I, I saw a bonus go with the shift and down 4-1. You're going to look for offense. It's it's ironic, though. Well, not ironic. It just stands out to me, Derek, that for the third head coach in a row, when this team needs offense, it goes back to Shifley and Wheeler. And you can discuss Shifley and Wheeler over the years. You can discuss them together apart, all this. But this is the third head coach now that when they need offense, they sort of put them together and, and see what they can do. And it looks like it's going to stay that way the same now with Nemestikov. And um, I don't really mind that. Like that third period was exactly what the Jets needed to do. The second period yeah. I didn't like. But um, it's interesting the lineup's going to change this to stay this way. And then who can step up? Shifley, Wheeler, Ehlers was such a great line because it's Schwielers, right? <laughs> Schwielnestikov just doesn't really. There's, I'm, I'm working on a second line combination to run all the names together. Uh, not finding it. As we mentioned, Josh Morrissey out for the remainder of the series. The pairings this morning: Nate Schmidt, uh, Dylan DeMello, Brandon Dillon, Neil Pionk, Logan Stanley, and Dylan Samberg. So Stanley would be drawing back and will be drawing back into the lineup for tonight's game four. Uh, Logan Stanley talked to the media a little earlier today. Check, check, check. It's going to be absolutely electric again tonight, and um, it's going to be exciting. But uh, at the end of the day, it's another hockey game, and, and we're looking to win. This can't simulate gameplay, obviously. And you, you, like you said, you haven't played a thing since Colorado, and then before that, it had been a while too. So, how do you keep ready? I'm, I'm sure you feel ready, but how do you keep kind of ready in that, that situation? Yeah, skating lots after practice, working out hard in the gym, you know, all that stuff. Uh, 
you know, it gets old after a while, but it's stuff you got to do. And, and um, you know, that's how I help the team stay ready. And, and obviously it's unfortunate that Josh is hurt, but, um, you know, that's what good teams have. They have depth and uh, it's going to be up to me to come in and just play a simple game and, and um, you know, play well. Do you manage any, like, internal pressure um, in a situation like this where, you know, Josh is hurt and a lot of, you know, it's a big shoes to fill, right? And, and you know, everybody kind of needs to give an extra 10% or whatever to kind of make up for it. Yeah, for sure. I don't think anyone thinks they're going to step in and fill Josh's shoes. Um, you know, I don't think anyone, almost anyone in the league can, can do that. So um, it's going to take all six of us and, and we're going to have to do it by committee. But, um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a good test for us. Logan, and apologies if you've already been asked this, but uh, just from watching up above the first three games and a guy that likes to play the game as physically as you do, can you have an appreciation for the uh, uh, the uh, all the hits that your teammates have laid on Vegas uh, in, in, in games one through three? Yeah, it's been fun to watch. Obviously, they're a big physical team too, so uh, it's been a great battle, and, and um, you know, I'm excited for it tonight. I'm excited to get into it tonight. In terms of seeing the whiteout from up above, will that help you maybe control your emotions? You know, for some of the guys, it might have been difficult to do that on Saturday afternoon. For sure. I mean, I was up top watching, and uh, you definitely get a feel for how loud it is and, and how excited everybody is. So um, in that aspect, yeah, but I think once you get down on the bench and, and see it from down below, it's a whole different animal. So uh, I'm excited to see it, and, and you got to use it as energy and, and – um, yeah, it's going to be, like I said, a lot of fun tonight. Correct me if I'm wrong, but how much do you go back to the last playoff game you played when you scored those two goals in Montreal? Yeah, a couple guys have brought it up to me today. So, yeah, have they? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> some guys remembered. Uh, I think Casey might have told me how nice his passes were. So, um, yeah, for sure. I think uh, having a little bit of playoff experience definitely helps, but obviously that was a while ago, and um, this is going to be a whole different animal. So uh, I'm excited for the challenge. Thanks a lot. Yep. Logan. Thank you. Yep. Logan Stanley talking uh, just under an hour ago. Two things off of that. Kelly mentioned all the hits. Game three, Winnipeg 69, Vegas 39. That is that is throwing the, the body around. And just a note, Logan said all six of us, all six of us are going to have to contribute. Rick Bonus said yesterday there may be seven. Logan said all six of us. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Derek's favorite, <laughs> Axel Janssen Fialbi, may be squeezing into the lineup today. I think he may be. I, I think uh, Logan Stanley, I take that as him referencing the other five and himself, all six of us. I don't think it means like uh, six more of us. So uh, I think that, it, and look, we've seen this before. Like, I, I don't have any problem with Axel Janssen Fialbi's game. I just like the way the other teams have been playing. Um, David Gustafson came in again. I know that he's a natural center, and Stenlin was is the center on that fourth line. But you have that in the playoffs in case you need that extra centerman to take a face-off or something on that line. But yep. I, I think Logan Stanley comes in. I'm not expecting big things from him, but I'm not expecting bad things from him either. As he just said, just play my game and, and uh, you know, a, a good, clean game. So um, it's interesting when guys like this step up. Again, you're not going to replace Josh Morrissey. There's not a player sitting in the press box that's going to do what he does. Um, and, and we haven't even mentioned his intelligence. I find Josh Morrissey one of the smartest hockey players on the ice with anticipation. So what Logan Stanley referenced, a simple game. They're just going to have to make simple plays, keep it you know, um, to what they're doing, and, and get some goals. Um, it's been an exciting series, and it's been a series in flows. But I think the Jets have carried the play. They did in game one. 
Um, they did in game two for about 30 minutes, and then they gave that to Vegas. And I thought they had it here in the first period, even though they were down 2 nothing. And then I thought they had it in the third period here, and then the overtimes were about even. The second period was the Vegas Golden Knights. If you add the periods up, and it's not by a large margin, but I think the Jets have outplayed on the ice the general overall play of it. Ooh. Um, but I don't know. But it's close. It's close. Yeah, but, uh, but, but that's fair. But like I like I said, well, game one, I thought they were the better team all three periods. Um, there were pockets of that where Vegas had a couple minutes at a time, and that was it. Game two, I think from the 30-minute mark on, I would give the Vegas Golden Knights a game and a half. And then period two here, and probably for about five minutes during period one, was theirs. The rest of the game, the overtime I thought was evenly matched both ways, and that's saying something because the Jets had to kill off some penalties. Even though the shots say something different, I agree with you. Yeah, and so and so what I mean is is by that is just you you know I, I think the Jets are in this series, and and I think they can get a bounce or two their way, but they're going to have to play a more consistent sixty minutes. They cannot have a period off like they did in Game Three. If they can do what they did in Games One, and then they can do what they did, you know, allow Vegas is going to have a push by by all means. They're going to you know have their five to six minutes in a period here or there or two to three that they have if the jets can play a simple game that we've seen them play going back and forth and up and down the ice i think they have a legitimate shot here tonight but here's the key too derek and i was sitting with Dwayne galawajek our jets analyst and some other nhl people in the press box and we were talking we thought Laurent Brossoin looked shaky in game four. We thought that he didn't look smooth, and, and he was often looking for pucks as opposed to knowing where they were going. Um, but then in game two, he looked real sharp, and I thought he was one of the difference makers in game two. So I wonder about that coming into tonight as well, if you can get one or two on him, um, what kind of a game you're going to expect from him. So uh, that's just another note that I took from game three, was that I, I didn't find him, even when it was 4-1, to be all that you know solid and solidified in the net. Um, and, and, you know, first game in Winnipeg, and they were chanting his name, and this is an, a raucous crowd. I get that, right? It's only his third playoff game as a starter. Yeah. He might be more settled tonight. I'm, I'm not saying he won't be. I just noticed that that was something that Gilowaychuk and I were mentioning during the game, that, man, he looks shaky on some shots tonight, So we'll or this afternoon. So we'll see where it goes tonight. Can I give you my testimony about Axel Janssen Fialbi yeah, and why he needs to be in the lineup? If, if, if AJF draws into the lineup, he's going to get – between seven and a half and nine and a quarter minutes, right? He's not going to play big minutes. But Stenlin's going to chip one off the boards and let him race toward it. And he's going to get a shot on goal. And he he's going to do something up that up that, that far side. He's going to be zipping up there, turn a defenseman, and get an, get an attempt on goal. And there's a... There's a this much of a chance that that puck goes in. Does he shoot it or does he just put his head down and just go here? Just I, here I come, LB. You better be ready. <laughs> like like the old Nintendo eight bit hockey when I would use the big guy and he would just plow I'm right through. I'm gonna pretend I fumbled this puck and I'm going right through you. He can he can harness his speed as much as he is a, a limited player who's on the fringe of the fourth line. He can use his speed and he could pull a goal out of his hat tonight. And that's why I I want to see it. Not just, you know, the jersey that I'm going to buy when it happens and it's the game-winning goal, but chip it off the boards and let him run for it, and he can give me something in seven and a half minutes. To me, more so than a seventh defenseman trying to cover for Morrissey because, as we'll talk about in the next segment, they're going to need some offense to replace Morrissey, and it's probably going to have to come from up front. Well, I'll say, 30 this, seconds. I'll say this about him. When he was picked up on waivers this year from Washington, I'd heard his name, but I'd never seen him play. And then I looked into it as Scott O'Neill was the former associate assistant coach in Washington, and it was brought in for his penalty killing. So to your point, 
It might be on the PK. The power play for the, the Golden Knights got going on Saturday. It got two goals. It's not a very good power play. It struggles like the Jets does. Um, on the special teams, the only way there's a, a, one of the teams playing better is the Jets' penalty kill. It's been phenomenal all year, and it's better than the, the Golden Knights. If he gets on some penalty killing time, which oh. I assume he would, there's your chip up the boards and he can fly the zone. And if he can score or help with some points, I said in game two when Stenland scored that goal, when you get production in a playoff game from your fourth line, it's a gift. And it's on the rest of the lines to manufacture off that. So we'll see what he does tonight. Paul Edmonds might just lose it in the booth right next to us here <laughs> at Canada Life Center. Uh, the Golden Knights, they're down to uh, almost uh, their reserves. They had a Pretty long skate, pretty intense pregame skate. They look like they will be ready to go tonight, up 2-1 in the series against your Winnipeg Jets, but the chance to even it out tonight. I it, think some fans were hoping we'd say, oh, Jack Eichel's gone down in the morning skiing. Doesn't look good, right? But he didn't. We were, Everybody looked great right now. We were, we were looking <laughs> for it. We could, we could start some rumors, but they look pretty good. 12:43. Uh, Kelly Moore goes one-on-one with Pierre-Luc Dubois on the other side as we continue. It's Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Fraser on the text line at 204-780-6868. Guys, Stenlin has been brutal on faceoffs. Four for 15 the last two games, one for six on Saturday. Time for him to get his nose dirty. He is a guy the Jets will count on for faceoffs. He was a guy who was responsible for Nikolai Ehlers getting, it was like, 11 minutes that that one game that made me absolutely furious but <laughs> coach said hey we needed them for right-handed side face-offs in the defensive zone and to that point late in the third i saw i saw um rick bonus put adam lowry out and take stenlin's off even though stenlin's line was on so and i, I mean that's how it goes right you're you're not going to be perfect every game you're not going to have a good game in the dot uh you know consistently and when you have that that's good coaching to put the guy out there and to that point, that's how Stenlin has gotten so many. Uh, he's been so good for so long that quite often it'll be Nick Ehlers who's on the bench until the face-off has been taken, and then Stenlin goes off and Ehlers would come on. Just to happen to be not his afternoon on Saturday, so um, uh, Lowry was taking more of them. If I'm not mistaken, on a percentage basis, and it's pretty, it's be a narrow margin, but he's their best face-off guy by a narrow margin. Uh, last time I saw, he was the only guy above 50% for the season was Stanland. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois is a star. He's the number one center on this team. And because he is, and because this is such a big game, Dubois had the chance to go one-on-one with our Kelly Moore a little over an hour ago. Has it been mainly Stevenson, or has it been a variety of guys that you've squared off against? Honestly, it's been, I, I feel like it's been a, a almost perfect variety of every guy. You know the power play faceoffs. It's mostly against the same. It's mostly against Roy or or, or uh, Carlson. Um, Stevenson's been thrown in there a few times, uh, but I, I, honestly, I feel like I've seen a bit of everybody in the faceoff circle. Well, and I do know this number is accurate. You're at about 62 percent, so you're having a, a a good go at it. That's not over. The job's not done. Um, Understood. But, I mean, you have to be happy with how you've been able to, you know, because coaches always talk about it, a lot easier to start with the puck than having to chase it down. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I don't want to jinx myself or, or anything, but, but uh, it's, yeah, you know, it's the wingers, the defensemen, um, if they get a good jump, if they get that second puck, because sometimes it's a, it's a 50-50, if they get to it, helps a lot. Um, and they've done, I think, in this series, they've done a really good job of that. 
You look straight across the board, Pierre Luke, and I mean, whether it's goals, whether it's special teams, whether it's shots on goal, uh, you know, I mean, it's almost dead even in every category. So as much as you're down 2-1 and you're coming off a double overtime loss, you guys are right in this, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, and that's what's, you know, positive and, and frustrating at times. It's, it's so close, but that's what the playoffs are. Um, very rarely do you see a, a one-sided playoff series, and, and we're in a, a series that, you know, both teams have, have their uh, strengths and weaknesses, and, and both teams are trying to expose the others. And, um, you know, both teams have depth, have, have good defensemen, um, good goalies. You know, it, it's, it's been really close, and, you know, it's 2-1 for, for them right now, but it could also be 2-1 for us, and that's kind of what we have to remember. It's, it's a long series, and I don't think anybody in here thought it was going to finish in four or, or anything like that, so... There's still a lot of hockey left to be played. So quick final question for you then. In terms of that positive and frustration, you can only, I think, focus on the positive at this particular point? Yeah, we have to. We have to. Um, we worked all year to be in the playoffs. Now we're, it's 2-1 for them. But like I said, it, it could also be 2-1 for us. Um, you know, we can't, we can't think of the mistakes we made in the past. You know, you got to look in the, in the present, what we have. We had a good practice this morning. Have a big game tonight in front of our fans um, in our building. You know, it's it's an opportunity for us to tie this series, and, and that's that's as far in the future as we have to look to. Thanks, Pierre Luke. That's Pierre Luc Dubois going one on one with our Kelly Moore Dubois between Kyle Connor and Nino Niederreiter on the top line. Mark Scheifele now the second line center with Vlad Domestikov and Balake Wheeler on his right hand <laughs> side. Palake, A.A. Ron? A.A. Ron. I watched those two skits again. Key and Peel, uh, substitute teacher skits for anybody who has never seen <laughs> Balake and Jay Quellen and A.A. Ron and Timothy. Uh, was you go good. down to Mr. O'Shag Hennessy. <laughs> <or, laughs> O'Shag Hennessy for yes. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Classic. Um, Shifley back as a second line center. One of the one of the texters said that it hadn't done much. It was a, it was an impact in game number one. Shifley on the wing worked in game one. It's everything's kind of slowed down since then. So I don't know if coach saying that we've milked all we could out of Shifley on the right wing, and essentially it's time to get him back to his natural position. Those are the six guys, and those are the two lines we're going to be watching for. Okay, well, who's going to get Josh Morrissey's offensive prowess? into this game yeah um and look i don't mind this move at all if it works and and so i give rick bonus a lot of credit for after that san jose three nothing shutout for talking to mark and moving him to the wing and i thought it worked well um i think it could go back this way if they don't get enough offense during the game at all but i i don't mind this move of of the way rick bonus put it and and i think mark shifley needed to move to the wing and i i was impressed that the coach did that at that point of the season because a lot of coaches would go I'm going down with my workhorses and I'll talk to him and I'll try to motivate him and I'll try to get him going or you can go I'm going to do this drastic move and take a guy out of his natural position a guy who's an assistant captain on this team and a leader and um, you know we can debate and Kelly Moore and I did whether it was a demotion or not because Mark Shifley still had the same amount of ice time and he still had everything else that he was as the center on this team but to me, you're moving from your natural position because you're not performing well enough. That's the end-all and be-all to me. So, I The don't, initial move to the wing. Yeah, the yeah. initial move to the wing. So tonight, and, and in-game, what goes back to center gets a goal and, and you know is a contributor in the, in the um, comeback. So I don't mind this move to go, hey, Mark, 
we need you again. And and we're moving you back to your spot. It's your natural position, so you're comfortable. We appreciate what you did there, but tonight's big, and we need you to be a difference maker tonight in your natural position. I'm interested to see how he plays. I- interesting that the two pivot points are Nino Niederreiter and Vlad Nemestikov, the guys they acquired at the deadline, are the ones right. who were able to move to make it happen. 6.30 pregame show with Kelly Moore, Dwayne Gilloychuk, John Shannon. 8.30 the call with Paul Edmonds and Jamie Thomas. The radio home of the Jets, 680 CJLB. The Jim Toth Show is next.